So hello everyone, welcome again to Life Jitsu, which means the art of life. This is Frank Forza in Las Vegas. Um, so I had an interesting thing last night. I went to an event, it was, there were a lot of like film people there, filmmakers, videographers, video producers, etc., some Hollywood people, um, which really normally is not a crowd that I roam in, but storytelling is moving overwhelmingly into video, right? Video storytelling, content is king, and video storytelling is front and center right now. That's what the consumer desires the most. So I'm like, hey, you got you to gotta get with this trend. So I'm there, and... I'd say the first 35, 40 minutes, I had, I met someone there that I knew and, you know, talking a little bit, but there's a you know, room full of 75 people or so and just didn't feel right, just didn't feel comfortable, which is unusual, which is extraordinary for me because I feel like my personality is extremely adaptable. I've been, I've lived at all levels of the economic spectrum and, um, and I just, I, I can adapt and I can pretty much make a conversation with anyone. And this was the rare time where I felt out of sorts. I was just like, it's too stuffy. It's too formal. Just like, I don't want to force conversation. I don't want to, you know, people were talking. I came late. So people were already in their cliques and their circles and engaged. And I didn't want to, I did know people there, but you know how when you try to, you see someone you know, they're not your best friend, but you know them, and you're going to go over to them, but they're already talking, they're already engaged with someone, and so it can be awkward for you to go and break the ice, and you wind up standing beside that person you know, like a puppy or something, like a puppy who needs something, or just, you know, just look kind of pathetic, like, you know, you come over to the circle of people, and nobody even really acknowledges you, you're kind of invisible, you're like, well, what am I doing here, how long do I stand here, and it was, it was odd, it was one of those things, it was like, eh, I don't know that many people here, and the people that I do, they're engaged, they're immersed, and they're already having their fantastic conversation, so, uh, so I go outside, in front of the event, kind of like a museum, and uh, there is a historic truck there, this red Chevrolet. I think it was, I found out later it was a 1968 Chevrolet. And it was mint condition, really good condition. And the hood of that Chevrolet was open. So I'm just sitting there and I'm looking under this hood of this, and I'm not this big classic car buff or anything like that. I'm not mechanically inclined. I'm the farthest thing from that. And I don't normally marvel at cars. I mean, if you know, if you have an older car or whatever, I think that's cool and and they can look cool. But I'm more of like just into the aesthetic of, oh, that looks cool. But I've never marveled at an engine the way that I marveled at this 1968 mint condition Chevrolet truck. So I'm out there alone. I'm, I'm away from all the other event attendees. And I'm off in my own corner outside 
hiding essentially behind this Chevrolet classic truck and I'm and the, and the hood is popped and I'm looking at the engine and I'm just marveling I just behold this engine and like what is it about this engine why am I so am I just scared to go back in there and I'm just like sitting here pretending that I'm interested in this engine but that wasn't it because I'm not that kind of personality I'm the kind of I'm, I'm like you know, I just leave that place just leave that event no biggie but I stayed for like 15, 20 minutes just staring at that that old engine and eventually taking some pictures of it and even I think of a short video. And I thought, why, Frank, all your life, why you why do you wait till now to to be so interested in an old car engine? What, what's going on? And it occurred to me, it wasn't the car thing, because I'm not as into cars. It was, it was the metaphor. It was the symbolism. That engine was so pretty. It was so transparent. You have all these engines now that are so complicated technologically. Even people who know how to fix cars don't know what to do when they, uh, what's going wrong. They don't, even people that are mechanical don't know. Oh, I don't know. And so... They're so technological, so complicated that you have to take it in a a computer, not a human, has to diagnose it normally and say what's wrong with it. And I thought, this is like that, this engine to me was like the Van Morrison song, Take Me Back. Take me back, take me back, take me back, take me way, 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 way back to where the world made more sense. And those are the lyrics of the song. It's like a nine and a half minute song. Van Morrison, beautiful song. And a wistful song, right? You just sort of, you reminisce and you think to the times in your life where you imagined things were more innocent. Things were more pure. Things were more transparent. Things were more honest. And I'm not saying 1968 was because there were a lot of bad things for a lot of people. Depending on who you were, it could have been a horrible time to be an American or somewhere else in the world. But I'm just thinking, it didn't take me back to 1968. I wasn't even born. It just took me back to, hey, by the way, it's a car that's older than me. But it took me back to this, the place in myself where it was like, wow, you're maybe you're up in the, the Zion Mountains, right? Zion National Park in Utah, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. You just think, that's it. Or, or a lake, lakeside and the outskirts, the countryside of Montreal, beautiful place beautiful mountains and beautiful foliage and that just like that place that space in you like there's there is something beautiful about transparency there's something beautiful about simplicity and I appreciate I'm in a chapter of my life and I really think this is what was going on you know peel back the layers Frank why are you having this reaction to an engine and I think I'm really in a chapter of my life where less is more I realized that more, 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 not necessarily happy life, just adding, and I always, and you always need this, that, nope, less is more, it's not adding all kinds of things to your life, it's really learning to appreciate the great things, the awesome things, the interesting things, the fascinating things, the lovely things that are hiding in plain sight, that are around us every day, I, making good food, conversation with friends, the smile on your son or daughter's face, or 
you know, uh, um, if you if you are in love, I mean, that spending time with that person, cycling, being under the sun, connecting the sun, your spiritual side, connecting with something greater than you, God, in my definition, the simple things. Trying to do right now, I'm trying to do a hundred straight push-ups. Right, I'm trying to do a hundred straight push-ups. That's that's on my agenda now. I don't know if I'll ever compete again in jujitsu, wrestling. Maybe not. And I'm okay with that now. For the first time in my life, I, I love it. I've been doing the combat sports for 32 years, and I still train. But I just don't know that I ever want to do a tournament. Again. It consumes so much time. There's so many injuries, and I'm just so fortunate. After all these years my body still works. I mean, Dan Gable, the great Dan Gable, the Olympic gold medalist wrestler. I mean, Dan Gable, by the time it was my age, is he had double hip replacement. His hips were shot. He could never, you know, he trained wrestling, but very controlled, and he, his hips were never the same. He was a physical wreck. I'm very lucky. Yes, I've had a lot of injuries and all, but I feel physically phenomenal. I can do things that, that most people my age can't. I have very lean body mass. I'm very strong. I've had my shoulders pop out of the socket 13 times. I can still, I can do, you know, 25, 26 wall push-ups. And I'm not saying that braggadociously. I'm saying that factually. And I'm just very fortunate. I'm like, do you want to ride it as one? I remember one fighter telling me, I'm going to ride it till the wheels fall off. I don't want to ride my body till the wheels fall off. I feel grateful that I've put my body through what it's been through. It's been in car accidents not with me not driving it's been in you know the, the sports world and I've got a titanium plate in the neck and you know I've pushed my body broken noses broken hands I pushed my body and I think I'm like you know what I'm grateful to my body and my mind that we did all those great things but there's a time to walk away there's a time for the cheering stops and I think that time's upon me and I'm okay with it now for the first time I'm at peace with it and that doesn't mean I'm going to always stay in great shape and and get out there and cycle and hike and lift weights and swim and that sort of thing and run some sprints and I'm into working out and taking care of myself and I I expect I'll do some cool things and a lot of pull-ups a lot of dips and, and maybe even you know make goals like that 100 straight push-ups that's a it's a good goal to have right I need goals to stay hungry but but the cheering has to stop at some point and uh, I think we're there and I'm and I welcome it I want to really the business world the media world, storytelling, those are the things that I'm super passionate about. Fitness, those are the things I'm super passionate about. Those are the things I can be great at. Those are the best investment of my time with the ROI, return return investment. So it's just time. It's time for a new chapter and to be grateful. Hey, my body works wonderfully. I'm very lucky. I'm a unicorn. I'm, I'm like, I'm an outlier. And so I'm very grateful, but less is more, man. It's just learning to appreciate simple things the brilliance and simplicity and that's what I felt yesterday I think just looking at that engine so I look at the engine and then I'm like alright well let me go back in this is unusual for me to not feel really comfortable in this setting I am around mostly strangers by the way Let's go back in. Let's take one more look around. And if it's still awkward and off, let's leave. So I go back in. I see a, an old friend that I knew. And as it happens, he's not 
deeply immersed or engaged. And so we start talking. The next thing I know, I'm talking to a bunch of these filmmakers, video producers, video techs. And it was very, very fascinating. The rest of my night went much differently. Uh, you know, I grabbed something to eat there. They had some Mexican. And um, I'm sitting there talking to total strangers for the most part. But they're telling, they went to the NAB conference here, which is a very big conference broadcasting National Association of Broadcasters, I believe, and, and uh, a lot of good things there. So people were filling me in on some of the things that I missed there, the trends um, in, in media, etc. And so it was very informative for me, and I, and I met some, some people that I'm like, wow, there's, there's the potential for a lot of synergy here, they're in this, and I can learn a lot from some of these, some of them are coming back next week and uh, we'll, we're actually going to meet and huddle and just, just talk about just share things we know about the industry, maybe there's a potential to work in some consulting stuff great, if not they're an encyclopedia of knowledge, they're, these are video pros who've gone deep 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 down that rabbit hole, so it's amazing, it was a tale of two different nights, the same event, and just two different halves, like the like the first half of a football game and the second half, and just very different, and somehow, um, looking at that engine, just shifted everything, I don't know why, but it was beautiful, and, and I do notice things like that, so, that was my night last night, the guy who ran it, uh, was a guy named Todd Fisher, who's, sister was Carrie Fisher who's of Star Wars fame and some other movies she's a pretty famous actress for not for you millennials but for my generation and uh, Debbie Reynolds who in the you know many years ago was a huge A-list superstar and that was his that was Todd Fisher's mom so he Todd Fisher had, he has a passion for what he does and he was the host of the event. I got to talk to him a little bit. We'll have we'll be interviewing Todd Fisher here coming up um, in the weeks ahead. He's got a book coming out about his mom Debbie Reynolds and about his sister Carrie Fisher and and their legacies. And they were you know they really were they were a big deal. They were a big deal. And we think well they're in another generation that don't matter. No, they're doing the same same things that that we're after. They were. It's not easy in any generation to to be uh, top of the pyramid and do things at that level that they were doing it. And um, I could see, you know, it, Todd Fisher could easily be some lazy kid. Hey, I got a silver spoon in my mouth. My mom's famous. And he's sort of this wandering person, but he's very, very passionate about it. He took advantage of, of the hit in the birth lottery and studied a lot about film and and it was interesting because when I was there, I was looking, he had all of these lenses. He had camera lenses that had been used for The Godfather, Casablanca, MASH, Star Wars stuff. He had Knight Rider, which was a famous TV show. He had the car from Knight Rider. I mean, he had like, I mean, The Godfather, by the way, is you know, one of the best movies ever, probably top three by anyone's on anyone's list. He had lenses from The Shining with Jack Nicholson. I mean, there, you know, there were some very historic camera lenses there and, and, and film lenses and what's interesting is again it's like quantum physics 101 you change 
those lenses, you change the lighting and you change the whole experience. You can change everybody, you know, the, the viewer's experience big time. The event, is to, you just change the event just by changing the camera. Same thing can happen right in front of you. And different cameras will tell a different story or impose a different feel on the scene. So it's not just what's happening. What are we acting? What are we doing? What are we performing? It's not just that. It's, well, what's the lighting? Well, what film? What, what, what camera, what camera lens, at what speed of the camera, with what lighting, with who else in the room, whatever. It's like, that's quantum physics. You can always, you know, Heraclitus, you can't step in the same river twice. It will always change. A scene, an acting scene is not a scene. A stage performance is not a stage performance. It's also the experience around it. It's not just you, the artist. Like someone like me, who I always believe is an artist, like, you know, you'd be like an Elton John or a Stevie Wonder. That's how I am, even with singing. Even though I've never made, you know, I got the starving artist syndrome with, with singing, but very talented at it, love it. I just didn't want to starve there, but I can sing, I can perform. I got no problem being in front of people. It just has to be the right, I realize, you got to have the right stage. You got to have the right experience. Otherwise, it just looks stupid. You got to have the right band around you. I was doing, you know, I went um, the other day. This was an interesting Sunday night, and I met... A buddy of mine plays music, one of them's a bass guitarist, another one plays guitar, and he had some friends, one is a drummer, and another one's a guitarist, and so anyway, they come out, let's, let's practice, let's see if there's synergy, we need a lead singer, so I haven't sang in a while, and I, you know, grew up doing some singing, and I've sang in front of a lot of people before, I just didn't, again, I didn't want to double down, it's a cruel industry, and uh, you can easily starve, and in that industry, right? I don't care how talented you are. And I believe I'm very talented. It's just I'm not going to be stupid and starve there. So anyway, he's like, come down. Let's, you know, practice with us. Let's see. And they basically were trying to audition me. So I get there and and you realize, I mean, the synergy between bandits, you know, it's so important. It's so important. You know, is the, is the, is the drummer too loud? Is the guitarist too whatever? Is he too in his own world, right? Are they feeding off of you, I like, you can play anything with me, I'll try to surf off you, but there were times where, there were a couple songs where we hit a great groove, we were just freelancing, freestyling, and we had a good sound come out, I recorded that, we had a couple good sounds, and then there were times when we were messing around with covers, and it was just horrible, it was terrible, and we were so off, and I was just having trouble hearing anything, I was having trouble thinking, I was having trouble doing anything, you know, my voice usually it lends itself to more subtle performers, like someone who's really appreciates subtlety um, and not overplaying, not playing too loud, too obnoxious. Because I my voice, I like to go and, you know, right now I'm a little hoarse, it's early in the morning and I need to get some tea in me or something, you know, some tea, some lemon water, but um, and I apologize for my frog throat, it is early, and I was talking last night with these videographers and video producers and filmmakers, and so, and I sang Sunday night, so singing Sunday night also too, you know, it strained your voice, I was trying to sing over these, um, I was trying to sing over top of these loud drummers and everything, so you know, you just realize that like, it's, it's chemistry, right, it's alchemy, finding the right, the right fits for your to create the right experience, not easy, not easy, you can have good drummers and good whatever, and you just don't gel with them, and, and vice versa, so, 
These have been my experiences in recent days, always learning life jitsu, art of life, just a work in progress like everybody else. And um, we're going to have some really good interviews t- later today. We have, uh, by the way, if you didn't hear my interview yesterday, it's on Facebook Live, Frankie Forza on Facebook. Um, and also, we're going to have it up on, on here on Anchor, the Anchor app, or Live Jitsu um, on on the Anchor app. Eric Nixick, I mean, he talked, he had some great stories. He's a, he's a you know, a trainer at one of the most prominent fight academies in the world. He's a bartender, so he's got a lot. By the way, I don't hardly ever drink, but, you know, bartenders, you meet them, they, they are kind of seen at all people, right? They're, they are usually great at reading people, kind of like a hairstylist or something. So we talked about how, how to read people, the buttons you push psychologically with your fighters or athletes, which carries over. I mean, you know, people management, whether you're in a corporate America or you're in sports, and he told one interesting story. He played football, played for a national champion junior college team in Dixie, Dixie College in Utah. And I love that part of the world. I love southern Utah so much. I love those mountains, and I love that pace of life. But So he played at Dixie. Then he went, I believe, to University of Nevada in Reno, the Wolfpack. They usually have a good football team up there. He went there, and he's 18-year-old, 19-year-old, whatever, 20. And... Uh, he gets in a fight. And he gets prosecuted. And uh, that incident, he talked about, he had he desired, his big thing was he wanted to be a firefighter. And you know, if you know anything about firefighting, you know how hard it is to be a firefighter, man. It's really hard. It's really competitive. There's only one spot, and there's hundreds of people that want it, want that spot. It's really hard to get it. It's a who-you-know thing as well as not just how you perform on tests, but who you know, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So he wants to be a firefighter, man, which is hard enough to get that job. But he had that fight, that fight he didn't think he was 18, 19, whatever, and that followed him around, and, it, and he didn't get the job, and he traces it to the, hey, I had that incident. He scored really well on every, on all the tests, and they liked him. They went did the background check, and they, they found out he had a fight. And it ruined he said it haunted him for 10 years. He couldn't shake. He had that one big transgression, one big life mistake. And that followed him around. And it taught him a very powerful lesson about control, about responsive, being more responsible, not being stupid. But, you know, he's young, dumb, and testosterone, and king of the football team, and all that stuff. And so he had to lose a lot in order to learn a lot. And I love that story to Eric Nixick. If you can go on our Facebook Live or you come here and listen to the Anchor episode, it's a very good interview. Whether you're a fight fan or you're not, my interviews are not, my conversations, they're not designed for fight fans per se. You don't have to be a fight fan to to, to come to my world or even for us to have a conversation. If you were here in Las Vegas and we met or wherever as I travel, we could talk about any number of things. I just assume not talk about fighting. It it doesn't define me, and it's not. I'm I'm bigger than that. I mean, there's a lot of things about the fight game now more and more I don't like. It's it's imitating WWE a lot of it, and I don't like that because I like I like the purity again, like that engine, like that '68 Chevy engine. I like the purity of things. I like the transparency, the honesty. 
the beauty and simplicity. I marvel at that. I'm in a chapter in my life where less is more. I appreciate the little things more than ever. I'm grateful to still be standing. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for the now. I'm grateful for what's to come. Great things to come in this chapter of my life. And I expect to have many, many more years. And I want to make a contribution. I'm sure you do too. It's it's not... I talk a lot about self-love, but we're, we're past that season of selfishness. I'm going into where it's it's about. I have a responsibility. I have these God-given gifts, and I don't want to die with great music left in me. I want to contribute. I want to impact society, the world around me, in the most positive way I can. That's super important to me. That's a big part of my why that, that fuels me. So less is more. Look for the moments in your life where you find something like that. That Chevy engine, just the most simple thing, and you just sit there and you you just zen zone. You go into a zen zone and you just marvel at it. And that's what happened. So anyway, I am gonna eat a breakfast, some fours of fit. I'm gonna go make myself. It's probably gonna be some of the same old, same old, maybe three eggs, cooked in some coconut oil, maybe a couple of organic corn tortillas, maybe even some avocado. Um so you're probably talking maybe 600 calories or so breakfast. I might have some tea with it. Um, 600, 650 calories maybe. But uh, again, you just eat. I'm hungry right now. I didn't eat as much last night as I normally would. So you just, you have to feel, you have to learn to read yourself. Just like you read people, just like you know thyself, right? The first commandment of, of your life, know thyself and learn how to read other people. Well, no, you got to start reading. What am I really hungry? Am I just thirsty? Am I hungry? Am I just bored? Why am I eating? And you can feel, I can feel I'm hungry. I mean, my body, my body wants some food and a big meal. Well, just, I don't have to eat eight meals or nine meals. I've had plenty of days where I do. That's not a big deal. I don't count calories. I just eat really high quality food, the right foods, the right time. And I have good habits and I, and I don't overeat. Um, even though I do, I'm a, I am a natural overeater. But anyway, we're going to have a big meal today, and then if we don't eat for the next four or five hours, that, that's fine. Just listen to my body. When I work out, I'll, I'll work out later today. I'll get something to eat after that. But I'm going to go enjoy the rest of the day, Vegas. We got we're going to have another 90 degree day here today. We're lucky. Early April, 90 some degree day. I'm going to go attack it. I got plenty of uh, business and work projects today lot to do um and just very grateful for the sunshine for last night for even the jam session the other day and everything we learned and, and i'm sure today is going to be a great day and i hope it's a great day for you uh if you need to email me frankie at frankieforza.com uh my website's www.frankieforza.com and i just hope that you'll spread the word and join me as we just find the fascinating and interesting things in everyday life and and try to build a better life, a better mind, a better body, a better spirit, a better person, a better society. Have a great day, everyone.